It's good to see all of you out this morning, and we're glad that you're here with us. We're uh, glad that you come at least once a year. We do appreciate it when you do, and uh, so uh, we do appreciate you being here today. I'm a little more prepared than I was last year. Last year, I, I didn't really have a very good lesson series for y'all being here, uh, but today's lesson is, uh, is more conducive to that, I think. So uh, hopefully it'll be one that will help you. Uh, we are talking this month about being more like Jesus. I've got several lessons that I've got planned for this month and maybe even beyond that will talk about some aspects of Jesus' life that we can learn to, from. We want to be more like Jesus. And I hope that that's our goal. I hope that that's your goal, to be more like Jesus in everything that you do. In your relationships, in your schools, in your relationships, in, in the workplace, or wherever you are. We want to be more like Jesus. We want to set a good example for those around us. And He is the best example for us to follow. Now today's lesson is going to be about facing temptation. And what it really means for us to face temptation. Now for those of you that are unaware, I may not have enough back there. But there are some bulletins back there. And in each of the bulletins there is an outline that you can follow. Uh, that will go through the lesson what I call sermon notes. Um, but if you would like to, uh, to follow along with that, uh, you're welcome to do that. But today's lesson, facing temptation. Now, temptation is something that we all deal with. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. We are all faced with temptation. Temptation to sin. Temptation to transgress God's will and His commands for us. There are many people that have given in to temptation. But there are also many who have overcome temptation. And that's an encouragement for us. But it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how high and mighty you may be or, or how lowly you may be. We've all faced temptation, but no one, not one single person in this life has ever faced temptation like Jesus did. And one of the many things about Jesus that is a good example for us is His faith and His self-control while in the midst of temptation. We don't, don't often talk about the faith of Jesus, but you know, Jesus had a great deal of faith. Faith in His Father, faith in His Father's will. And that's something that we can learn from. We will all be tempted. Temptation is unavoidable. Everyone will face temptation in this life. But we have the ability to choose how we face our temptation. You know, the easy thing to do whenever we're tempted to sin or tempted to turn away from God, it, the easy thing to do is just to give in. To say, well, you know, I, I like this, or, or I like doing this, I, I think I would like doing this. And so we give in to something that we know is actually wrong for us to do. That's, that's the easy way out. But it's much harder for us to purpose in our hearts and in our lives to overcome temptation. Now, it may be from peer pressure. You may be tempted by peer pressure, and especially you as young people. Uh, you may be tempted by friends to do something that you know is wrong. And the easy thing to do is to go along with them. But 
We need to purpose in our hearts to be like Jesus. And if we're going to be like Jesus, then that means that we need to purpose to overcome the temptations in our lives. I, I try to always set a set of lesson objectives for each lesson. And today's lesson objectives, number one, first of all, is to learn from others' examples on facing temptation. And we're going to look at some negative examples more so than any, I guess, in Scripture of those that did turn away from God in a moment of temptation. And we're going to try to learn from their example, uh, both good and bad, those who overcame and those who failed. And secondly, we want to learn how to overcome our temptations with the faith and the spiritual strength of Jesus Christ. We begin with the temptations of man. Now I want you to go all the way back. And you'll see their Bibles in the, the pews. Feel free to take one of those out and follow along with us. Uh, let's go back all the way to the book of Genesis. The very first book in the Bible. Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to look at a couple of familiar, familiar people to you. Adam and Eve. And how they faced temptation. Genesis chapter 3 and beginning with verse 1. And I'm using the New King James Version. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And we see a great many things here in this passage. First of all, when partaking of the forbidden fruit, Eve knew it was wrong and against God's will for mankind. You look at verse 3 and what she said there. Uh, the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, 
nor shall you touch it lest you die. She knew the command. So we can't just let her off the hook because she knew exactly what God wanted from them. There was no guessing. She told Satan that. She told the serpent that very clearly. Now, in order to tempt man to sin, notice also that Satan lied. Satan lies. Have you ever lied to anyone? You ever lied to your parent? You know, parents don't like it when you lie to them, but you know, also, we don't like it when people lie to us. Have you ever had a friend that lied to you? I think we've all had that. And it's not a good feeling. But Satan, he, he tricked Eve. She knew God's command, but he lied to her. In verse 4, he says, You will not surely die. And notice how, how small of a lie this is. God had said, You shall surely die. Satan added a three-letter word, not. And he changed the command of God, at least in Eve's sight. One thing that we learn here is that we can never trust Satan to tell the truth about anything without twisting it in some way. He may use a little bit of truth, but every time that he does, he turns it into a lie. So we have to be on our, on our game for that. And Eve was tempted in all three points of temptation such as man faces today. I want you to look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. And we're going to go back to this too throughout the lesson. But in 1 John 2, beginning with verse 15, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And notice what he says in verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now the three points of temptation, there are three of them, and I want you to note them very carefully. Number one, the lust of the flesh. Number two, the lust of the eyes. And number three, the pride of life. Those are the three points of temptation. And every temptation that you face, uh, everything that, that you see as far as temptation is concerned will fall into one of those three categories. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now Eve was initially faced with all three of these things, as we read in verse 6. First of all, the tree was good for food. It appealed to the lust of the flesh, in that she had a desire to fill her hunger. And she would have been hungry, and so she saw this fruit, and it looked good. It looked appetizing. And so she... She lusted after it. She wanted it. She desired it. It was also pleasant to the eyes. It appealed to man's sight and imagination. Whenever we see things, there are certain things that, that may bring us pleasure. Maybe things that we desire. Things that we want. And, and maybe we can't have them. That's the lust of the eyes. And it was desirable to make one wise. It, it appealed to man's pride his desire to look and feel his very best and to especially look good in the sight of, of others. Um, as far as pride is concerned, sometimes pride will lead us in the wrong direction because we want to look good in front of other people. 
And maybe that was, was, was some of the things that, that Eve was dealing with there. But she was tempted with all three points of temptation. Now Eve chose to give in to her temptations and convinced her husband to sin as well. You know, a lot of times when people sin, they don't just sin within themselves. It's not just a matter of, of them and God and that, that relationship. But a lot of times when people sin, they also lead others in the wrong direction too. And that's something that we have to be aware of. Now, giving in to temptation and sin is a slippery slope that also leads others into the same temptations we have faced and often to failure. And not only was man tempted to sin, but he was also tempted to lie to God about his sins in an effort to cover up his tracks. Another thing that you'll find with temptation is that whenever you fall to temptation, you're often led to do something else to try to cover it up. You're often led to lie or maybe uh, to try to deceive people. Uh, you're, you're led to, to do things that you wouldn't otherwise do in order to try to cover up this sin. A man was also faced with the consequences of his actions. And the consequence for Adam and Eve was that they were banished from God's perfect garden of Eden. And they also faced death. Something that they wouldn't have faced had they not sinned against God. It was something that was an unknown at this time. You know, we, we know what death is. I think we've all lost loved ones at some point of time. So we know what death is. But to Adam and Eve, they didn't know what that really meant. Because it didn't exist until they sinned against God. And those were the consequences that they faced. And as far as any temptation that we are faced with, it doesn't matter what it is, whenever we fall to sin, it also means that there are going to be consequences of one sort of another. Uh, whenever we, we even try to repent, whenever we, we ask for forgiveness, that may not be the end of it. There may still be consequences that we face because of our actions. And that's kind of where Adam and Eve were. You know, they, they did at least sort of repent in God's sight. But they still had to face the consequences of their actions. Now, is the first John 2.16 formula applicable in other cases of temptation in Scripture? Yes, it is. Though we may not always see the three points of temptation used all at once, they are used in different ways. Let's look at one more example, the example of David and Bathsheba. 2 Samuel chapter 11, and beginning with verse 1. 2 Samuel chapter 11 in verse 1, it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to, to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. 
for she was cleansed from her impurity. And she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, so she sent and told David and said, I am with child. And Bathsheba appealed to David's desire for pleasure. She was physically beautiful. And so he, he desired her in that way. She uh, appealed to his fleshly desire for physical intimacy, which is the lust of the flesh. And David was tempted with his own pride in regard to how he dealt with his sin, the pride of life. In all three points, David, a man who is referred to after God's own heart elsewhere in Scripture, failed to overcome his temptations in that moment. In each case, giving in to sin. He was forced to try to cover up that sin. And so he sinned against God even further than what he had initially. When overcome by his temptations, man often sees the symptom of being overcome and may even recognize a temporary solution for this symptom. But he often fails, at least initially, to recognize the true problem. You know, Adam and Eve, they saw that they were naked and recognized their need to be covered, but they failed to recognize the true problem. They had transgressed God's command and sinned against them. They tried to cover themselves, and, and metaphorically, we try to do that too. When we sin, we try to cover ourselves. But that's not always possible. And they certainly didn't recognize at first that they had sinned against God. David recognized his adulterous relationship and, and thought the child conceived would be the best uh, would be best thought of as Uriah's child. And he tried to, to make that happen. He attempted to cover up his mistake. But David's solution was more of a band-aid, if you will, for the bigger problem that he had sinned against God. And until we deal with the bigger issue of sinning and recognizing why we have sinned, the problem will not go away. And we will have to deal with it one way or another regardless. So trying to cover up a sin doesn't help us in the long run. It only makes it worse. We have to realize what the root of the problem is. We have to realize that we have sinned either against God or maybe we've sinned against our parents. Or maybe we've sinned against a boss or someone else. But we have to recognize that we have sinned. And we have to repent of that. We have to change ourselves. We have to change our lives. Change our direction. As we close our lesson, I want us to look at, for the rest of the time that we have at the temptations of Jesus. In Luke chapter 4, let's go to the book of Luke. Luke is in the New Testament. It's the, the third book in the New Testament. You have Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to look at Luke chapter 4 and beginning with verse 1. And these are the temptations of Jesus. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for forty days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, 
It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, <clears throat> excuse me, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. From here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. In verse 13, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Now let's go back for a moment at 1 John 2.16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Let's look at the temptations individually. The first one that he has is, is Satan wants Jesus to turn stones into bread. He says, if, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. He questioned Jesus' authority. He questioned his sonship under God. If you are the Son of God. This is the lust of the flesh. It was appealing to Jesus' physical need for food. Jesus was in the wilderness. How long? We go back to the beginning of what we read. In verse 2 it says, Being tempted for 40 days by the devil. He's in the wilderness for a 40 day period. We don't know exactly where this falls in the temptations and, and how long he had been without food, but he had been without food for some time says, in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. He was tempted with that desire for food. That was the lust of the flesh. The authority and ability to rule over the world. And I think the, the real temptation for Jesus here was that this would be without having to go to the cross. Without having to suffer for the sins of mankind. You know, we're so familiar with the story of Jesus going to the cross that sometimes we, we fail to, to recognize that, that maybe there's a way that he didn't have to go to the cross. You know, Satan tempted him. He said, uh, you can rule over the world. I'll give you all these kingdoms. It, it's rulership has been given to me. And it had been. Satan is referred to elsewhere in Scripture as the ruler of the world for very good reason. Now, can you imagine what Jesus might have felt? Or what he might have thought? Now, of course, Jesus didn't give in to the temptation. But again, the temptation was that, that Jesus had the ability under Satan to at least have some authority over the world. 
You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to die. But he didn't give in to that temptation either. And finally we have the temptation to show the world his sonship. Uh, to show the world that he was the son of God. By placing himself in physical danger. This will be the pride of life. You know, Jesus was rejected on many occasions for his teachings, the, the way that he acted. And he hadn't done anything really. But there were a lot of people that rejected him. This was a chance for him to show the world who he was. Satan had already questioned it. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Jesus was tempted. He was tempted in all three points. But what was different? What was different is summed up in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a, a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The difference in Jesus' temptations and those we've already looked at was that Jesus was not overcome by his temptations, but he overcame them instead. He was tempted, and I guarantee you that he was tempted just as strongly as we're tempted today. But he overcame his temptations. Now how did he overcome these temptations? And this is where we find our, our lesson. First of all, he did so with what we call a thus saith the Lord. In other words, he found the answers in Scripture. Now if you want to know how to overcome temptation, read this. You may not understand everything, but if you read God's Word, He gives you all the answers. It's almost like you're taking a test. But you have all the answers in front of you. Have you ever been uh, given the opportunity maybe to write the answers down on a, a card and maybe you can go back to that card and use it during your test? Well, we have the answers for us. We're tested. We're tempted. But when we are tested in, in the ways that we are, we have all the answers. It's just up to us to know God's Word so that we can use those answers. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The King James Version begins with study. Study to show yourself approved to God. And that's exactly what being diligent in that is. We want to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. Did you know... Whenever we looked at, at the temptations of Jesus, did you notice? I think it was the last one that we looked at in Luke that Satan used Scripture. Now, that's significant because we know that Satan even knows the Word of God. Now he twists it. 
He makes it sound like something that he wants it to say. But he does use it. We have to be very careful of that. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verses 15 and 16. 1 Peter 3 verse 15. We're told, But sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. We need to be ready to give an answer for our faith. And any time that, that we're faced with temptation, be ready to give an answer. Jesus was ready. And that's a good example for us. And being strengthened by God, Jesus, we see, He, he spent time in meditation and prayer and fasting. Jesus was not alone when facing His temptations. And neither are we. Have you ever thought about that? When you're tempted, always remember, even if you, you're by yourself, even if no one else is around you, you're still not alone. Because God is with you. In Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6, says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We are promised that God will be with us. Even in our darkest moments, God is there. Concerning Paul's thorn in the flesh, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and beginning with verse 9. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul took pleasure and maybe not the pleasure that we might think of, but, but he was able to rejoice even in temptation, even when facing difficulties of various kinds. He was able to lean on God. And that's also a good lesson for us. And just like it was with Jesus, strength comes through prayer and meditation. In Psalm 1, beginning with verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is where? His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. And God will help us to bear our burdens, whatever those burdens may be. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. 
But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. As we look at, at what is said here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, it, it doesn't mean that we may not be faced with, with physical infirmities and illnesses and things of that nature uh, that, that maybe physically we can't overcome. But it's talking from a spiritual standpoint. Whenever we look at the things that we face, spiritually speaking, God knows that we are able to overcome those temptations. That we don't have to give in to sin, no matter what we may be faced with. Spiritual endurance. God will help us spiritually to endure all the things that we may face in this life. And in conclusion, it is not a sin to be tempted. I want you to understand that. You know, a lot of people feel guilty about being tempted, but it is not a sin to be tempted. Remember that Jesus himself was tempted, and yet he did not sin. He was perfect, even in temptation. So temptation itself is not sin, but if we give in to our temptations, that's when it becomes sin. And we do have a choice. We must prepare ourselves to face temptation. You know, Jesus did in going into the wilderness. He, we, we saw that, that he fasted. He didn't eat anything. Forty days. Forty days. But what was he doing in the midst of his temptations? You ever thought about that? Even though we're not told specifically, I think we can take a very good guess at what Jesus was doing in the wilderness. He was praying to his Father. He was meditating on God's Word. He was readying himself for the task at hand. He knew he was going to face temptation. And so he readied himself for it. So that he could stand strong. And we have to do that as Christians. We have to ready ourselves for the temptations that we will face. Following the example of Jesus will help us to endure in time of temptation. And to overcome the temptations that we are faced with. When we meditate on God's word, when we study it, when we understand it. We are readying ourselves to face temptation. And we will face temptation. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about that. We are going to be faced with temptation. And sometimes we're going to sin. Sometimes we're going to fail. And when we do, it's important that we repent, that we turn away from those things that, that once gave us pleasure and we turn to God and make our lives and our hearts right with Him. Maybe it is that you're not a Christian. God's Word tells us what we have to do to become Christians. It tells us that we must hear and believe God's Word. Uh, that's the very beginning of faith. If you don't hear God's Word, you can't believe it. And so we, we have to, to have faith. 
And by faith, once we do hear and believe God's word, it's important that we repent, that we change our lives, that we turn to walk in a new direction. Uh, I've heard it said that, that you make a 180 turn, 180 degree turn. Not a 360, because if you do a 360, you go all the way back to where you were. But if you make a 180, you go from walking in sin's direction. And you turn around, put the sin behind you, and you walk toward God. You walk toward Him, you, you do His will instead, and that's very important for us to do. It's also important that we confess our faith, that we be willing to confess our faith in Christ. And once we have done those things, we are ready to be baptized for the remission of our sin. Just as Peter told the, the Jews on the day of Pentecost, he told them to repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins. Which basically means that, that we are able to have that forgiveness of sins. But we must obey the gospel in order to do that. And maybe it is that, that you've done all these things. Maybe you are a Christian. But maybe you've faltered in the face of temptation. Maybe on many occasions. Maybe you know that, that you're at a point in your life where it's something that you can no longer do on your own. You have to, to have help. And if we can help you in that way, if we can pray for you, if you need to ask for forgiveness for something that you've done, or if you need to just pray for strength, if there is some way that we can help you today, whether it be in responding to the Lord's invitation in obedience, or maybe it's coming in repentance. Whatever your need may be today, if there is some way that we can help you, we give you that opportunity as together we stand and as we sing. Song number 23. All things are ready. Come to